Solarpunk, an aesthetic antidote to the lethal lack of imagination that threatens life itself. A new vision of a future and a present aligned with our potential to use all the tools at our fingertips to live with nature and live well. To replace drudgery with adventure, ugliness with beauty, apocalyptic visions with stories of a better world today. Damn the problems. This is a series about solutions. Coming up with an intro for a series I just kind of came up with on the on the on the uh, on the fly. Here we go. Give me give me a minute here. Takes no, a minute to snap into it. So welcome to the first episode of a show I'm tentatively calling Solar Punk Solutions or the Solar Punk Mosh Pit, where we bring in solar punks from all over the world who are working to achieve the goal of solar punk, which is multifaceted, but it's essentially utilizing technology in an ecological and a liberatory way. So today's first guest is Hydroponic Trash on Twitter and I'm sure on other platforms, Andre, who uh, I was just so delighted that the algorithm, the machine found me, you know, it's just like I, an interesting meditation on technology getting set up here. I have all these wires and plugs and wireless earbuds and a camera and lights all over the place. And it's like, we're totally cyborgs right now. We're really like living in this cyborg world ruled by machines, like AIs are in control and they're just so chaotic and weird. We don't really notice it. So the algorithm directly suggested your account, which was very weird and rare because I immediately started seeing your posts and the first post I saw was for uh, wireless solar internet. And I mean, this is just, this is, this is solar punk right here. This is, we live in this age of amazing technology, this age of amazing possibility that we're just being suffocated by a lack of imagination on how to utilize it. You know, we, we, you know, we have these conversations all the time with people talking about energy and base load and geothermal. It's like, bro, chill. How do you meet your basic needs? What do you actually exactly. need to do in your life? Like use technology to do it. That's it. So it's, can you um, just tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and your interests? And like, uh, we'll, we'll definitely get into these uh, designs and inventions, but just tell yeah, me about who sure. you are. Because I have no idea. You're a fucking stranger on the internet. How cool is that? <laughs> that we are connecting wirelessly all over the world. I don't even know where you are. Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, that's just the kind of the the power of technology to bring people together from all these different places around the world um and it's it's incredible it's incredible um but my name's andre i go by uh, hydroponic trash on twitter and tiktok um i'm a hacker a gardener a writer do a lot of random shit uh do a lot of random tinkering with stuff um but yes and i also write um speculative solar punk fiction um and so that's you know combining together ideas behind um, how do we combine technology, social change, and the ecology together in ways that not only benefits the planet, but benefits us together. Um, and I think like the Moneyless Society uh, podcast like really amplifies that fact that like we have pretty much everything we need right now. There's so many different things that we could change socially to get to a better place to where we're all a little bit more equal we're all uh you know connected to each other and the earth together um so yeah right now i'm in the bright and sunny dallas texas uh really hot and humid environment which is uh, perfect for growing a whole bunch of plants um so yeah you can see 
the overgrownness all behind me. Um, and in bright skies all the time. So solar works great here too. Andre, speaking of uh, the scorching hot sun of uh, Dallas, Texas, you're a little bit hot on the mic. You can maybe hold it down a little bit or turn, turn your gain down if you can. Yeah, yeah. How, how, how am I setting now? I think that's better. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah, I've been through I've been through Texas a lot. I I just remember like the the my like memory of heat, like the archetype of heat for me, like the memory seared into my memory is like uh, hitchhiking through Texas, just like covered in sweat, wearing all denim, cowboy hat is fucking soaked, and just just like boiling in my own skin. But yeah, I mean, as you can see here behind you, you have solar panels right now. You're using that heat and that energy, that adversity. Really, that's, I think, a, a central aspect of solar punk is like taking adversity and turning that into something that is beneficial. And ultimately, like with our show, Moneyless Society, and with our organization, with our you know, uh, moment as a species, we, are, uh, we, we have, as a generation, been dealt a, a massive shit sandwich, so to speak, in terms of like our ecological crisis and just this... Uh, fucking catastrophized capitalism that's just exploding upon itself every day you know this this system and this way of life that all of this technology all of these advancements are just becoming more weapons to hurt us and yeah the, the power of a solar punk future the power of a solar punk present is in taking those problems and turning them into solutions exactly and i'll tell you that this um off-grid solar system is actually kind of birthed from adversity. So um, uh, a couple of years back, there was a really, really bad freeze here in Texas to the point where our power grid almost completely failed for months. Um, we were on like, I think like eight minutes away from our power grid completely failing because of this winter storm. And so that was a really big um, kind of wake up call to really start thinking about what does it look like to uh have autonomy when it comes to electricity have autonomy when you know states and governments and corporations kind of leave us to die and so that's where the system kind of came out of was like okay well shit when the power goes out again because it probably more than likely will uh how how do i help other people how do i give people power how do we keep communications going how do we do all these things that we kind of take for granted, but we have the technology, we have the things that we need right now to get all of these things done. They just aren't being done. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of uh, reasons behind that, you know, um, something like this isn't necessarily profitable for a corporation to, to gain profit off of if multiple people are, you know, using off-grid solar power to uh, power their lives. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, really crazy that you know out of this adversity out of the challenges that we have with climate change um how do we adapt in ways that are not only um not, that are not detrimental to the ecology but are beneficial to not only us but the earth as well yeah i mean our our technology has outmoded capitalism totally i mean it has outmoded the conditions of scarcity that trade and you know, economics as we know it, as a science of measuring scarcity, uh, exists to maintain. And now we exist in an age of manufactured scarcity. And I think that's like one of the most central and crucial ideas for people to understand that we don't exist in scarce conditions. And, you know, this is an interesting uh, contradiction that we are coming, we are experiencing resource overshoot, 
because we're overshooting our our carrying capacity massively because we're producing so much shit but it's not because we need it it's not because it's not to meet the need of you know the people it's not to meet our actual needs it is you know to continue the ability for corporations to maintain their ability to to be pro to, to keep profiting forever whereas your solar panel right there sun's never sending you a bill as jeremy rifkin says it's not gonna you know you're you may have to repair that over time but even even a design like that isn't designed with repair in mind i've heard people describe uh, renewable energy as rebuildable energy because solar panels don't last forever they're not exactly renewable but they're rebuildable and so yeah that's that's something that we can do today that's that's the, that's the space that i'm in right now not just like this highfalutin you know uh, vibrant future resource based economy <laughs> like the venus project where everything is automated and we have you know uh, airships and and you know this high solar punk world it's the world that we can create today that's drastically better than the one that we have you know, already or the one that we're subjected to the reality, the very boring drab reality that we're subjected to that. Like we live in the fucking future. We live in the future. <laughs> we have, we do have flying cars. They yeah. exist. Yeah. We are able to turn, we're able to photosynthesize functionally as a species. Yeah. We can turn light into food and water and air. Even it's just like, we are living in these in incredible potentials that are not realized. And we just, we have an outdated social system that keeps us stuck in a pattern of dependency so yeah. um can you talk about some of the uh in, in the innovations that you've been creating uh, yeah so especially like, the off-grid internet that's really like that's a game changer because i could be like i could be out in the garden you know doing recording as you are you know if i had a setup like that that i could carry around instead yeah. of being in this box which is very unnatural for me i'm very caged right now. <laughs> <laughs> i need i am a solar cell <laughs> yeah, it feels good to be outside. But um, yeah, so the way I like to think about it is really what I try and do is combine things that already exist and recreate them into new ways. So like for my day job, I hack computers. Um, I think the, the ethos of hacking is trying to find new ways of doing things with the stuff that you already have or things that you're not supposed to be able to do with the stuff that you already have. So say, for instance, these solar panels, after I built the off-grid solar here, it started to be the idea of like, okay, well, what are some other things that I can do that would work in the same way of harnessing, you know, um, sunlight and being able to power the things? And that got me thinking of kind of creating somewhat of an off-grid internet um re in realistically what this system is is an off-grid intranet so a lot of people will get mad at, at what i'm about to say but the internet is just a gigantic intranet so the internet really is a combination of um clients servers and the networking gear to connect those two together um so we already have those things at a small scale. And when you look at the internet, it's basically, um, you know, a client's servers and the network to make them communicate together, just spread out like a crazy amount, you know, I mean, an incredible amount of computers and servers that are sending information through these networks. But ultimately, once you understand the, the core components that go into it, um, it's a little easier to wrap your head around and try and see and start to see that like, oh, okay, I can do this at a small scale. And so what the off-grid internet project basically is, is recreating that idea of having a client, a server, and the network 
to um, let them communicate and the power to let that power it. So really what it looks like, I'll show you real quick. I've got all the stuff here that makes the network. So right here, I've got a small travel router. And so this actually allows me to connect two computers together and, you know, obviously make a network. Um, here's a Raspberry Pi computer. You can see how small it is. I mean, I'm holding in my hand. This is a full-blown server that has a complete book server on it, a chat server, um, a full library of information, and pretty much everything you need. You can load movies, an entire library of movies onto here. Um, and Does it get porn hubs? Ted Kaczynski is fucking laughing at us right now for having technical difficulties in our little techno-utopian ramble. So I'm going to take this as an opportunity to tell you guys to like, comment, subscribe, and share. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave us a review. Help people know, hey y'all, there are solutions. They're just buried in 10,000 podcasts about dumb idiots talking about dumb shit. Hello, they were here all along. People just couldn't see them because you didn't leave us a review. That's all, that's all that it'll take. The whole world will get better. All right, back to the show. Bye-bye. Okay, so <laughs> very ironic time for a technical difficulty. Uh, the sun overheated your laptop, I assume, yeah. or there was a cyber attack. Were you hacked? You were hacked. <laughs> no, so far so good. Yeah, I think it was uh, my my laptop was overheating because I'm like literally sitting in the sun, directly in the sun. So um, now I got it shaded. So hopefully that won't happen again. But we'll see. <laughs> it, it just it just really epitomizes like how fragile all of this is. You know, it feels so solid and so, you know, it's so embedded in our lives. We're really dependent upon very fragile systems that are out of our control, that are not designed, you know, to be compatible with nature at, at all. So, yeah, sorry, you, you can get back into um, explaining the process. You were just talking about how I can download Pornhub on the on the fly using the power of the sun. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I mean, I, like... I, I don't, I don't want to let, I don't, I don't do the porn thing. Uh, just, just for the record, I think it's pretty <laughs> gross and wasteful and, uh, it's a weird commodification of, uh, of like something sacred, which is, um, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny that people do that, that people are out there fucking each other on the internet, but, um, <laughs> cut, cut, cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean like, yeah, that's, that's the crazy thing is that like, as long as you have, you know, access to, to, to videos, you can put whatever you want on, you know, something like a small, you know, micro, um, server and, and go from You can fill it with revolutionary media. Exactly. exactly. Content, education <laughs> for the mind, to free the minds of the masses. That's exactly. my kind of pornography. Mind fucks. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, I was trying to figure out where I left off um, before we got cut off. Um, the little red, the I... little red device. The server. Okay, cool. Let's talk about the server. Did I talk about um, connecting the routers together? No. Okay. Cool. So take it away, Andre. Um, so starting out, you know, so we have our server. We have our client, which is going to be our computer to actually like connect to our server. And then so what we need to do is basically make a network. Um, and so with this small router, this is a travel router. It's only an inch, one inch by one inch wide. I mean, it's super, super tiny. And so this will help us make a network and allow other people to connect to our server. Um, and this is all, you know, pretty simple off the shelf stuff. And 
this is all good and great. These two things together here will give, you know, people nearby access to our server, to our server. But if we want to expand and grow our network out, um, what we can do is connect two routers together. And so you can wirelessly connect two routers together and extend the network out. So I like to think of it almost as like mushrooms and mycelium. Um, so mycelium spreads out and creates a nutritional network, um, communicates with other plants through this network of mycelium. And the way that it expands is creating nodes, uh, mushrooms, and then the mushrooms spread their spores from there, and then the network expands from there. And so it's the same idea of using um, routers to connect to each other. And to expand, you just connect the other routers to each other. And then that expands the network even farther for other people to connect up, get access to books, get access to movies, get access to any kind of information that you would want, educational materials, um, whatever you really need. And so kind of taking cues from nature and how, you know, natural networks spread out between each other, um, we can like really make these incredible um, off-grid networks. And... The good thing about these is that this is using off-the-shelf parts. There's nothing like super special that you necessarily need to make something like this. Um, you need a power source, solar. Um, you need uh, just off-the-shelf parts. A good thing about this is like you don't have to use a travel router. Like if you have internet access, you probably have a router in your home already. And so, say for instance, an emergency were to happen. Um, you can go to your neighbors and be like, hey, um, we have this emergency network. Uh, we have books, movies, educational content for anybody to use. Um, could we use your router? And in the process, you know, give you power too to charge your devices and all that kind of stuff. So um, then all you have to do is connect that router to your main network, and then you've expanded your network even more. So not only are you talking to your neighbors and expanding, um, you know, socially with people, you're expanding the network as well and giving more people access to um, information. And so, yeah, like you don't need like a giant solar array like this. You can use a travel solar panel like this. This is a foldable travel solar panel. Um, it folds open and like this will run the router and the server needed to run the network. So even something super small, like super small um, can make a really big impact. I was thinking last night about um, someone told me that data centers for like Amazon and Facebook's data centers or Google, Alphabet, whatever, are the largest consumers of energy on the planet. I'm not 100% sure about that. They're very, very secretive with the uh, numbers on that, and it's mostly fossil powered. Um, it takes the equivalent of lighting a light bulb to make every Google search or Pornhub search, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that insane amount of power. I was just thinking about a, a potential future world where we're so um, constrained by the scarcification of all things because we're living in this, the consequences of uh, shirking abundance, not the consequences of real scarcity driving us into this, but the consequences of fighting the abundant conditions of nature and life and the adaptation and the flexibility and the resiliency of an interconnected humanity to maintain this childish business system. Um, I was thinking about a, a world where we're, where people are questioning like 
you know, do we have the power to make this search? You know, do we have that, you know, the, the infrastructure to keep this going is something that costs a lot. I mean, not in terms of money. I mean, of course it's extremely expensive, but it costs us, you know, uh, there's the, the, the infrastructure of our society uh, in, in general is so centralized and yet it's, it's, it's um, encompassed the entire world and it's, it's draining our resources. It's draining our human resources and it's disconnecting us at every turn where something like this that you're talking about creating here is the opposite of that. And, you know, to just kind of play on that mycelium metaphor, which I think is one of the most powerful um, sort of truths of biomimicry, you know, the efficacy of decentralization of the network of connected decent of, of, you know, of connected of dispersed connection exactly. and that principle i think applies perfectly to our social systems to the ways that we organize that we have nodes you know popping up and the more of us that we connect the stronger the network is and the more it can spread and that that's really the the sort of shift that we can make that in the event of an emergency you know of our proverbial laptop getting cooked you know uh, the people are not going to be able to uh, rely on centralized systems, on federal governments and states, and even you know state governments. And in, in many ways, like in Texas, they're just like fuck you. All right, we're going to preserve yeah. our profits. We're going to jack up your energy costs. We're going to profiteer. We're going to do what the market knows how to do, which is exploit a situation to its advantage. Uh, and the people are on our own, which is you know really where we where we need to be, because we when when disaster happens. We respond in that decentralized way. We knock on our neighbors' doors and we and we reconnect to community. And I think it's very important, even as we're connecting, you know, um, globally right now, you know, through through this larger intranet, uh, we need to form those local connections and be able to create things uh, off the grid. So I'm curious, how um, could this sort of uh, DIY kind of hacker intranet be? scaled to the point where say we had a network of communities in a mycelial mycelial network popping up all over the ground you know out of this sort of uh neurological circuitry of a new social value program how could those how could we create our own internet that say like if if um some kind of hypothetical revolution or societal collapse were to happen you know they could shut our internet down or the internet could go out in general how could we beat the rest of the centralized society to the punch and have our, our intern, our intranet, uh, created. Yeah, exactly. That's something that I'm really been thinking about really heavily, especially because, um, right now the, the infrastructure to make this stuff kind of happen is mainly controlled by, uh, corporate institutions who have kind of a monopoly on, uh, the infrastructure that, that we use day to day. And so say for instance, you know, emergencies really pointed out, but in, a lot of countries that have social unrest, the first thing that happens is, um, you know, the connections that we have with telecommunications to communicate with people are the first thing that kind of goes. Um, and so that's something to really think about, something to really think about how uh, tethered our lives have become to centralized systems and the ways that we can untether from the centralized systems and start to really rebuild our kind of pro-social way of living with each other in our local community, but not just our local community, but the global community as well. So say for instance, you know, you're talking about creating a, a regional or even a national or even an international interconnected network of 
these systems. So like, I guess me locally, I could create my own node here and locally start connecting them through with other nodes that are nearby. Um, so it's kind of like basically like a relay system, relaying information together um, to get to a point where we can get to um, more to get to a point where we can communicate long distance. Um, and there's a whole bunch of different methods and ways of doing that. Um, uh, using radio, for instance, is probably going to be the biggest one um, to connect these smaller nodes into like a, a larger network. Um, but that's something that like really isn't being explored because corporations have a monopoly on that already. They already know how to uh, link together data centers and link together people into their own network because they control it and they already have it ready to go. And so uh, creating a system that counters that uh, and counters profits, counters their their control over information, the flows of information, um, countering that really is a danger to their profits. And because that's the most important thing to, the, to corporations, um, they want to try and safeguard that. So I think that we have the technology right now to basically like, yeah, create our own federated internet of the people. Um, and it is possible to run completely off of um, either renewable energy or locally produced energy. There's a lot of different ways to produce energy. This is just one of many um, that isn't really necessarily talked about because, again, these types of things um, cut directly into the profits of corporations, uh, give autonomy to people that governments don't necessarily want that to happen. And so... Yeah, there's there's multiple ways of going about it, but yeah, it is possible. And it's crazy to say that it is possible because this seems like an improbable thing, but there are a lot of people working on trying to figure this out and get this going. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, solar energy and wind are like the only two options even really discussed as far as renewable energy. And it's because there's a corporate monopoly on them. And even within solar and wind, uh, like like lithium is the only acceptable discussion point for batteries even though there's every week I'll I'll see a new article about a new kind of battery that we can make out of crabs or out of <laughs> coconut shells or out of salt or you know out of all these things that we can use to store energy i mean the the baghdad battery was is what 5000 years old and it was just like chemicals and things that people had around you know things that that we could create and you know the yeah, the the constriction of imagination that is, gets at that solar punk really is one of the great antidotes too, is in uh, seeking out those solutions, stop to stop obsessing about the problems so much so that we aren't actually on the ground investigating. Okay, well, what would the solution to that be? How could we actually create that alternative? So, exactly. uh, what, what are some what are some alternative uh, forms of creating energy creation that uh, interest you? Yeah, so kind of keeping on the idea of using the sun i mean the sun is so ubiquitous um uh, and solar pv which is photovoltaics um uses a specific process on generating electricity that really involves at least right now um a lot of material extraction rare earth minerals um there's a lot that goes into making a panel like that but we can harness solar energy directly from the sun in different ways so uh, a really good example of that is something like a sand battery, um, which harnesses the heat from the sun 
harnesses that heat and stores it in sand. Sand is a great um, material to store heat. It holds heat like crazy. And so if you can find a way to basically heat up a big vat of sand um, and use that heat, say, for instance, to boil water and then run to run a turbine, you're, cre- you're still using solar energy. You're still using the power of the sun to harness the, the, both the heat and the sunlight to create electricity. And so that's just like one of those really weird ways that um, really isn't talked about because you can't very easily sell that right now. Um, <laughs> but it's important. It's stuff like that is so important to think about and to imagine and to take kind of the core ideas of what we're trying to do, harness energy and figure out different ways. Um, one of those different ways um, that always works is biomimicry. So trying to figure out the ways that nature harnesses power. Um, how does nature use the sun? How do plants use the sun? How does how do animals rely on solar energy? How do how does the whole system work together? Um, and so we could take a lot of cues from nature and start to try and figure out okay, well, there probably are different ways of generating electricity or generating power or trying to figure out, you know, um, the solutions to some of our problems. And some of the problems are that we're not really like thinking about them in, in different ways. So like a lot of times when we're thinking about generating electricity, electricity for what? Like what are we using the electricity for? If we're using it for lighting, well, what about passive solutions like using skylights or um using lenses to uh bounce light in between each other and basically filter natural light into a home i mean if you're gonna use the lights during the day there's there's a free light right in the sky um and so just thinking about like different ways including passive ways to do the things that we associate have to be done with technology and so it kind of goes into the realm of um, appropriate technology, understanding that like technology is a tool that's supposed to be used in certain situations and certain circumstances that make sense, uh, both for not only the environment that you're in, but the people and culture um, that you're involved in. So, you know, a good example of that is instead of using solar PV energy to generate electricity just to power a light bulb, what if we just use, you know, passive skylights to pull that sunlight in and light the places that we want to light um what if instead of having to mine rare earth minerals um we were able to use sand batteries and basically do the exact same thing uh with a much lower carbon footprint so it's it's trying to imagine um and not only just imagine but look out into nature and and see what's being done how can we learn from nature how can we learn from everything that's going on around us um and and put things together in a different way that might make more sense depending on the situation that we're in so yeah i mean technology really at its in its purest form is us getting back to nature's principles is learning the the principles of nature and learning how to uh, mimic them and how to you know utilize them it's like we we don't we haven't developed any of this stuff outside of nature everything has been inspired by nature and we are nature experiencing itself and trying to learn how to replicate its processes and it's become a very parasitic process and a lot of people think that technology itself is one of the problems the root problems that our reliance on technology is the problem and not 
you know, just the way that it's being utilized or the, the greater disconnection from nature. And, you know, it's many, it, it's a, it's a broad historical process and, a, a, just a collision of so many random traumas and, and insane, unpredictable consequences and shadow incentives and things that, that systematically formed to create the conditions that we're in right now. So it's, 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 it's I always try to eschew that, that reduction, even a technology like money is not the root problem. The root problem is very complicated, but it, but it's in understanding those problems and in understanding that the solutions are in nature, are in a re, uh, vivicate, re, uh, they are, the solutions are in a revivification of our own inherent natural process of, I see the, the plants surrounding you are solar panels. They are positioning themselves to gain energy from the sunlight, to draw it in and use it to grow and become more of them. And as we make our technology uh, to embody those principles, to embody that biomimicry, to embody the natural regenerous regeneration, that process of creativity and evolution and play and you know this is this is what it means to be a solo punk to be playing in that sandbox exactly the the sandbox which we're using to you know draw in power from the sun and boil water (laughs) to draw a turbine so that we can you know create a giant uh, teeter-totter or something you know that that's like something that in the, the the david graber's last book that really inspired my imagination and hearing stories of what we would call prehistory is like examples of of uh, very complicated rites of passage within society of people who would travel thousands of miles to deliver like one bead as, as like a game almost that it's like, if we can actually push ourselves beyond the scarcity mentality and beyond the false limitations that are technological mega mechanical corporate consolidation, centralization machine have created for us and get back into an abundant society, we could really get back into that sense of life as play. Exactly. And I think like humanity over time has always used technology, but people don't necessarily want to equate the idea of technology with these things. So say, for instance, like um, terracing, there has been, even in ancient societies, an incredible level of sophistication, technological sophistication to understand how to terrace a mountain and lock water in and create micro um, microclimates. It, it's incredible. But like that is a form of technology. Um, it might not necessarily look like high technology, but of course there's a, a scaling level between it. You know, we have high technology, we have low technology, uh, we have appropriate technology. So like all of these things um, kind of come together to create like humanity as a whole. Um, we've always used tools, and and tools are a form of technology. And so, you know there are definitely a lot of downsides to how technology is, is currently used, especially like in our modern society. But again, like you said, um, a lot of that isn't necessarily because of the technology you can use. I mean, what we're doing right now is connecting and talking to each other wirelessly face to face. I'm seeing you, you're seeing me and you know, your, your audience is hearing us both. And yeah, there's no amazing. reason that this should be driving society apart like a wedge, you know, as it is. There's no reason that, that a communications technology like Facebook should or could be, you know, uh, toppling third world governments for the, you know, direct profiting of corporations. That that's, that's a value system disorder. It's not a problem of the technology itself. It's not like we can't have a world where, you know, social media exists or where, you know, 
you know, we have technology where we are able to do these things. And, and the path forward is not a regression, but it is falling back into what, what we have always known and what, what is truly intuitive and inherent within us, which is that spirit of interconnected play, which is that mycelial human ability to spread and to, you know, evolve and to take ideas and, and adapt them and change with our environment. And our environment is changing in, you know, as a response to the ways that we have changed it. And we have to change in response to that. And, you know, exactly. we'll, we will create new circumstances to change it you know, in response to that again, and it's, it's an infinite feedback loop. It's an infinite game so long as we exist. And I, I always like to say this and I'll kind of bring us full circle here. Cause I want these episodes to be nice little quick bites so that people can get a little burst of sunshine and get back to their day. But, um, but there are more solutions than there are problems because we can solve the problems that we see in the world today. They are physics problems or they're technical problems or they're social problems. There are solutions to these issues. And when we solve those issues, our, blinding our, our, our blinders, the uh, limitations of our imagination that uh, keep us constrained to always focusing on those problems as if we can never get beyond them. When we get beyond those problems, we will realize there are ways that we can improve our lives that we could ne never even imagine before. And so there are new solutions to problems we have not even been uh, tuned to because we're so focused on these big, blunt, uh, like caveman like grunting problems of like heavy fucking stones and of like, you know, <laughs> intentionally destroying our world, cooking it alive so that we can target people with advertisements, you know, just like insane fake problems, fake, yeah. fake problems, my guy. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's really about, um, how we conceptualize like our world, each other and the earth at large, you know, instead of thinking of the earth as a thing to extract other, you know, materials from so that way we can use them. But really thinking of the earth as part of us really changes that dynamic. And once you start thinking about that, not only that, it's we see each other in ourselves and with other people too. And so really like changing the social dynamic changes our dynamic with the ecology as well and changes our dynamic with technology as well because not only are we you know um kind of coming to terms with the fact that technology can have a really big, big benefit and a really big downside to a lot of different things um but recognizing that and recognizing that there are ways out of that um there are ways to a better future uh, and really what it takes is um trying to not only just imagine it imagining is great but putting that into action, trying to find some way, any possible way to make the change happen. Um, and so I think I, I think a lot of people get paralyzed by, um, you know, seeing the problems that we have in this world and being paralyzed with inaction. They're like, well, this is so big. I can't I can't I can't do anything about it. But you can. There are things that you can do. You, your community, a group of friends can make an incredible impact. Um, and so that's like kind of like really what I want to point out is just like the DIY ethos of like, fuck it, let me try it and see if it works. Um, really, really, really does pay off. And I mean, it can um, create something bigger. Um, and these monumental things that seem so out of reach are within our reach. It's just that we have to think about them in a different way and think of each other in a different way. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, so glad to uh, network our consciousness together and form this intranet of solutionaries, my friend.
Yes. Uh, this will be the first of many, you know, talks and collaborations. Um, I would love to keep, you know, connecting and working, you know, to kind of uh, almost localize these global connections, you know, finding people, total strangers on the internet and, you know, pushing them into more of something that appro approaches that local connection to the point where we are getting closer to the doing, not just the talking, but the doing, the creation, that, that, that ebullient act of making something that, that, that there is no substitute for in the human spectrum of emotion, that that feeling of accomplishment of like, I made this. I created something that did not exist before. And, you know, every yeah. relationship I think is like that. So thank you so much. Um, where can people uh, find you online and shout you and uh, support you and, and, uh, and figure and, and, and find these designs and plat and blueprints and things too, so that they can uh, create them themselves. Yeah. You have sure. a lot of good stuff out there, like, like uh, ways to, ways to create water out of condensation you know, there's a lot that you specifically know how to do with the solar panel, and and we haven't we didn't even talk about hydroponics, which is, you know, we, we, we'll we'll get there. But yeah, just give you where can people find you? Where can they connect? Yeah, so um, I post most of my stuff on uh, Twitter at hydroponic trash. Um, on TikTok, I post um, videos, uh, just kind of go along with some of my tweets too. Um, there's a lot of things that carry over really well into video that i would rather you know kind of record and show from there um same username at hydroponic trash um i post long form content so if you want like a full step-by-step -step guide on how to build an off-grid solar setup or how to build an off-grid internet system or um how to you know think about capturing rain rainwater and stuff like that um i have more of my long form content on substack um and it's anarcho solar punk um at substack.com that's uh, anarcho solar punk dot um and that's where i write um short stories short fiction but mainly um like tutorial and diy articles and stuff like that well this has been great i, I i'm excited to connect more and um i would love to um meet up someday and uh, like I, I just got a van and I, I want to make it into like a solar punk project. Like I got a little minivan, really perfect, like little little solar punk minivan. And I would love awesome. to have all internet and solar in it and, you know, the hot water and things like that and just make it a little, a little micro experiment. So, you know, that's just one of many little, little areas uh, to flex that creativity and that collaboration. But we ultimately do want to create communities and structures that allow people like us to come together and confederate into this mycelial network. So yeah, just, you know, welcome to the, welcome to the moneyless society, you know? Yeah. I'm glad to yeah. be here and I want everybody to join us because this is some amazing, amazing work. And I think there's going to be some real change that comes out of this. Thank you so much. Yeah. Please, uh, y'all support, support us and, uh, subscribe, like, share, comment, like, tell us things you'd like to, um, make videos about people you'd like, like us to work with, you know, ideas, inventions, innovations. Hey, talk shit. Go ahead. Drive up our engagement. I don't care. Um, and support us on Patreon because I, all of this is just done out of, you know, the, the drive to do it. So yeah, it, it, it helps to have food in one's stomach while they are uh, actively envisioning an entire new world and, and juggling the paradigms of nature and technology and man and nature and da 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 It takes it out of you, you know, it really does. But no, it, it is, it is a, it's a process of, of uh, it, it, it is an energy source. It is the cleanest burning energy source there is. The, the hope and optimism of imagination, of the revolutionary optimism that we can do yes. this. That we can be. Yes. We can obviously build a better world. Yes, yes, we can. We have, and we will.
Hey, Solar Punks, thanks for tuning in. Our regular episode of Moneyless Society had some technical difficulties and we're all just kind of going through shit, so had to slap this together very quickly. Hope you enjoy it. Please support us, subscribe, comment, share, and subscribe to Patreon. Because to be honest, right now I am really struggling. I am not feeling the revolutionary optimism. Quite the opposite. It takes a ton of energy to keep my solar cells charged so I can burn bright for you, beautiful people. So all your support helps. And please check in on those people in your life that seem like they've always got an answer or always have energy because take it from me, it takes a lot of energy to do this. And when I'm not around people, I have to build myself back up. Sometimes knowing that a better world is possible can make living through this world even harder. That's what I'm going through right now. Okay, love you guys. Take it easy. Keep fighting the good fight. <laughs>